Welcome to the Elevate Orthodontics Podcast with Dr. Lance Miller. Each week, we bring you interviews with the top minds in the orthodontic profession in order to heighten your expertise, boost your motivation, and raise your skills. Join us as we help doctors take their practices and their lives to the next level. And now, here's your host, Dr. Lance Miller. Welcome to the Elevate Orthodontics Podcast. I'm Dr. Lance Miller. I'm glad that you're here with us again for another episode of the podcast. I'm traveling. I'm on the road this weekend with my family for the Thanksgiving holiday and uh, reflecting on all of the many things that I have to be grateful for. Certainly as orthodontists, I think we're all fortunate to be in such a wonderful specialty and that we have such a great community of fellow practitioners to support us. We're blessed with wonderful teams that uh, we get to work with every day and certainly families and friends. Uh, So I think we have a lot to be grateful for. And certainly as I've reflected this weekend on the things that I am thankful for, uh, it certainly made me happier and uh, decreased my stress and just made me feel glad uh, to be where I am. Luckily, I had a little bit of time to get this episode together because it's a really great one. Um, Dr. Grant Collins is our guest today on the podcast. For those of you who don't know Dr. Collins, I think this is a name you're going to be hearing in the future, and I'm really excited to have the opportunity to ask Grant some questions that I've had for him and to understand a little bit more about the culture that he's been able to create in his office as well as some of the marketing and systems that he's used uh, in developing, I think, what is a really unique office culture that's had an unusual amount of success in a short time. So without any further ado, we will get into the interview. Let's do it. Dr. Grant Collins attended St. Olaf College, where he played on the men's varsity soccer team for four years and led as captain his senior year. He then attended the University of Minnesota School of Dentistry and completed his orthodontic residency at the Mayo Clinic. Dr. Collins is the owner of Collins Orthodontics in Rochester, Minnesota. He has many interests outside of creating beautiful smiles, including volunteering as one of the Mayo High School girls varsity soccer coaches and spending time with his wife. Kimberly, and their two young sons. Welcome to the Elevate Orthodontics Podcast, Dr. Collins. Thank you for having me. I appreciate being on here, man. I'm, I'm so excited to have you here. Uh, we were just talking a little bit in the pre-interview uh, about, about your kids, and it sounds like you guys are, are pretty busy this time. How old, are your, how old are your sons? Yeah, I have a four-year-old son and a one-year-old, and um, they are extremely high energy, and they're my world, though. I love it, and I was telling you, I uh, bunkered myself into a to a room down here. Hopefully, they don't find me during this interview because they will. I would love to chat it up too. So, but they're <laughs> That's great. That's right. Yeah. Well, maybe if they come and it can be like that BBC, uh, you know, guy yeah. where his his wife's like pulling him back out <laughs> uh, during the live uh, broadcast. I I very much related to that video. Trust me. Exactly. Exactly. Well, great. I'm I'm so excited, Grant, to have you here uh, on the show. And uh, to talk a little bit about your practice and some of your uh, kind of philosophies that you've learned, that you've used to grow your practice. You did a cold start practice when you got out of residency, and, and I, I understand that started in December of 2013. I actually was doing a little research for this interview, and I saw the newspaper clipping that you have on your blog <laughs> uh, that has the great title, Local Man to Open Orthodontic Clinic. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a few people who referred to me as local man for a few weeks local after that. Man, that, yeah, was that was a very, very interesting way to, to phrase that. But yeah, so I mean, I, as you said, I, I thank you for the introduction. That was very kind, by the way. But I opened up my own clinic and it was after, you know, doing my training in Rochester at Mayo Clinic. And, um, you know, I knew I wanted to be in Rochester, Minnesota. That's where I grew up. It's a great place for my family to, to really just raise our kids and everything, just a great city in general. So my wife and I kind of looked at each other afterwards and we, we sent out our letters to all these different orthodontists in the area. And there was really nothing available that would you know, guarantee that we could be there long term. So we kind of looked at each other. and We knew that if we wanted to live in Rochester, we'd have to, to start our own business. And that is not something we really had this excitement to do. I know nothing about business at the time. And and um, no one in my family was an entrepreneur or in the dental field. Um, so I naturally Googled how to start a business. And that's, um, that's really how it started. And we worked really hard leading up to, you know, that opening date. Like you said, December, you know, December 17th, 2013 is when we opened our doors. And I could ask you that now, right now, Lance, how many people do you think called on our first day? Uh, I don't. I, I would say you'd have a few. I'd, I'd say you got 
a half dozen calls? <laughs> Almost. No, we got zero people. Nobody oh. called on our first day. <laughs> so it was kind of disappointing. We like worked super, super hard. We worked all the way up to our first day. Nobody called. But the second day, one person called and it was my mom. And um, she just was <laughs> checking on us, making sure we were doing sure. okay. And I said, mom, never do this again. And really the first few months, were like that. I mean, it was kind of scary for us. And, you know, every, every day we were just working harder and harder. And that's what I thought was going to be the equation um, for us to really make this thing work. And I thought, you know, I had done it all my life where I just worked super hard and everything would work out. And that's what I had done to get into the residency I wanted to and the college and all that stuff. But um, it really, I, it was several months in, you know, I was sitting at, at my desk after another long day and it really hit me. It was my aha moment. And it's when I thought, you know, I remember thinking this clear and I thought, it's not about me. And up until that point, I had made it all about me. And I had just thought, man, if I work harder, I'll make this work. If I do this, I'll make it work. But I realized I had it all wrong. And really from that point forward, you know, our mission statement was really starting to just focus on serving others and just making it all about others. And the way we hired, the way we interacted with the community, the way we you know, trained our team, the way we interacted with our patients and everything started revolving around just serving. And from that, you know, time point, everything turned around. And now, you know, three, a little over three and a half years in, we're seeing, you know, over a hundred patients a day and, and we're seeing well over a hundred patients, new patients per month. And in a very small spot, we're in, operating out of 1130 square feet and we're just making it happen. And, um, Trust me, I do not have all the answers at all. I have a lot to learn still, but you know, there's a lot of stuff that, that hopefully I can share with you guys today that have helped us grow in, in this type of environment. Yeah, and and it really seems to me that you are are focused on, on this community, and and I'm curious um, what it's like. What are the pros and cons, I suppose, uh, of practicing in the town that you grew up in? Yeah, I think you know one of the one of the exciting things about being in the town you grew up in is you just know it so well and you love it because it gave so much to me, and now I have the opportunity really to, you know, give back to, to this amazing community and these great people, and because it just was a, a city that I love and cherish, and I'm so happy and honored to be back. And obviously, the cons are you know you have a history here, so you know you got teachers are coming up, and I remember you in high school, but hopefully all good things. But it's a it, it's just a great city to practice in, and it's just an honor to be here. Um, and it is that local man or hometown feel, you know, when you do practice in the city you grew up in, for sure. Yeah. How, how does your relationship with, with your town, um, kind of play a role in, in your orthodontic practice? How, how do you, how do you try to make it not about yourself and, and about serving other people? And, and how do you kind of communicate yeah. that? Well, to be honest, most of what we do, um, is just more so focused on customer service. And I remember early on when we started talking about how, we want it to be about serving the community. Um, we thought we need to take customer service very seriously in order to, to provide a great experience for our patients in the community. And, um, you know, there's some things I'd, I'd really love to share with you guys today about that that have helped us along the way. And I would consider them almost prerequisites to, to providing great service because I feel like a lot of people out there, including myself originally, was right, we, we feel like we have great service. We feel like we, we provide the best customer service and that justifies our high fees and, and so on. But really when asked to define what that really even looks like or means, it's tough sometimes. We just kind of view ourselves as, well, we're the best, which is great. It's like a lot of how our minds work. But um, the, first, the first thing you know, that we made sure that we really focused on with the community and our patients is exceeding guest expectations. And um, really what I mean by that, and we call them guests at our office, by the way. We don't, we, we don't even call them patients a lot of the time. We call them guests because we want them to feel like guests at our home. And, um, you know, that is crucial to, to providing a great experience for your, your guests or your patients. And, you know, there's a, there's a, actually a, a local, uh, business in town that inspired me by this too. And, and if, for those of you who don't know, I love ice cream. It's ridiculous. I'm like a, a 10 year old kid, but, um, there's a place in town, um, Dairy Queen North. If you haven't been to Dairy Queen, you gotta go. Best blizzards ever. But, um, I will drive past two or three other, ice cream places to get to this place. And I just started kind of wondering, well, why am I doing that? I mean, I'm, I'm obviously bypassing other opportunities for, for ice cream to get to this, this one place. And every time I'd order, I'd notice you'd order, you know, a blizzard, just kind of like a, a shake with, with, you know, ingredients in it, like just chunks of cookie or whatever you want in, inside of it. But they would fill it up about three or four inches 
higher than the top of the cup every <laughs> time you order it. And I'm like, this is amazing. So you, I drive past all these places to get to it. And really, you know, I'd be telling people about it too the next week and say, hey, you got to try this place. It's awesome. And what I realized, it's very simple analogy for, for how to exceed expectations. And it's a visual analogy where the top of the cup is what you're paying for. And when they fill it up, three or four inches higher, that's the value in what you're getting for, you know, in addition to what you pay for. And very, very simple. If they filled it up just just to the top and that's it, no higher, they're really just meeting the expectations. I would probably think, oh yeah, that's okay. I mean, that's what I paid for. I probably wouldn't talk about it to anybody. Um, but same thing, if they filled it up a couple of inches lower than the top of the cup, I'd be ticked, right? I'd probably go in yep. and be like, come on, what happened here? And again, it's kind of where we want to be as orthodontists in our you know world as well you know in two of those scenarios where you fill it up way past the top and then the one where you fill it up below you know the top of the cup those are the the, the times where your patients will go talk about you and those are the times where they'll gush about you so you really don't want to ever be where you're just meeting expectations no one ever is going to talk about you but you also really don't want to ever be the where you're not even meeting an expectation because they'll talk about you in bad ways those are when the online reviews come and yelp and all that stuff where they they speak poorly about you. So our job as orthodontists is to find ways to exceed the expectations so that they will go talk about us. And what we oftentimes you know, do at our office is in order to understand how to exceed those expectations, we have to really sit down and understand, well, what are the guest expectations? Because again, that's where I think us as orthodontists, we, like, we think we're exceeding expectations, but it's from our perspective and not the guest's perspective. So you know, what we really do is we wrestle with things called stereotypes. And this is something that I've stolen from Disney. It's not something that I made up, but Disney does really great at this. And they consider them positive and negative stereotypes where you are sitting down and you're asking, okay, what are the reasons why people come to us? What are the positive things that people come to us and what they're looking for and what they expect? And then what are the negative? I mean, in the orthodontic world, it would be, you know, what are the positive stereotypes that people come because they want a new smile. They want confidence. For some kids, it's I want colors on my braces. What are the things that people are looking forward to when they come to your office that are kind of stereotypes about orthodontists? And the negatives would, would be, you know, things like, you know, it's going to cost a lot of money or it's going to hurt or the dentist is going to be a jerk about my oral hygiene or it's going to be a, you know, a sterile environment, no music, it's going to be some, you know, just ridiculous doctor's office that, you know, just wants to, to make me feel bad and, and hurt me and stuff like that. So what we do is we sit down and really try to understand what those expectations are and elevate the positive stereotypes and mitigate because you can't always get rid of the negative ones, but you can at least mitigate them. And so that's what we do a lot for at our office is really, really wrestle with those and talk about them all the time. And so, you know, that's really the first, first step in, in exceeding guest expectations, expectations is just understanding them. And then once you understand those, you can encourage your team to, to find those moments where you're going above and beyond. And, and what Ritz Carlton describes as seeking the unexpressed wishes or wow moments is what Disney calls them, where you're, you're encouraging your team to step off path as long as they're on purpose and in line with your mission statement to go above and beyond for your patients. And, and there's so many ways you can do that. Um, so that's kind of what, what we start with for, for, you know, guest experience and exceeding guest expectations. I just think that's such fantastic information. And I think we're all guilty. I mean, I think you really hit the nail on the head. You know, we think we're great. But, you know, certainly some of the things that, that we're doing probably are just kind of status quo. And, and we, we want to pat ourselves on the back with it. But uh, unless we are, like you say, actually giving someone a different experience than they're expecting, um, you know, it's hard to be remarkable. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I, I definitely think, and that has helped us a ton. And I don't have it perfect, I can tell you that, but I'm always looking for new and exciting ways to, to exceed expectations. But the next thing that's really helped us um, a ton in growing our office and really was, was really just me being a better leader in general was um, knowing our mission statement inside and out. Like this sounds super simple and it sounds like it's just a given, but I mean, not just like having it written down somewhere in a book where you guys read it and agree with it or written on your, you know, written up on the wall with like this long drawn out thing that nobody really reads until, you know, the monthly team meeting and then you remind yourself what it is. But um, the thing that's helped me a lot is, is developing a mission statement with my team that really focuses on our story and telling our story. 
and allowing it to be something that we can live and breathe every day. And so you can go up to any one of my team members and they have it memorized and it's very, very short. And I kind of took this one from Mayo Clinic and Mayo Clinic, when I did my residency there, their mission statement was easy. It was very short. It's the needs of the patient come first. That was it. Every single employee of the you know 30 to 40,000 people that work there knew that. And they probably all had it memorized too. Very easy. Ours is all about service to others at um, Collins Orthodontics. But, you know, I think that in order for your patients to be able to, your guests to be able to feel your mission statement, you know, in order for us to be able to live and breathe it, you should all know it so well inside and out. And so that is something that's helped us a ton um, in general. And I know that, you know, it's been overplayed a lot, but um, the, the book by Simon Sinek on Start With Why is an excellent place to start for those of you who haven't read that before. And really the idea of the book, the, the why, the how, and the what, and I'm sure most of you have read this, but um, it, it really talks about, you know, what we do as orthodontists or what people do in general. Most people know that first. You know, orthodontists, what we do is braces. And how we do it is really, you know, the systems we create. So, you know, everybody knows what we do, right? Orthodontists know what they do, but how they do it, a lot of orthodontists know it, not all of them, but, you know, the systems you create to make things happen. Like when a patient walks through the door, you know, what happens next? How do you greet them? How do you bring them back? You know, what are the steps that go into every process for your training? And I think a lot of us are trying to create great systems to make that work. But really the most important one is the why. And that, you know, the whole point, the whole purpose for, you know, what you're doing in your clinic is what gets your team members up every day and, and helps them feel like they're a part of something greater. And the whole idea in this book is to start with that, you know, whereas a lot of businesses will start with the what rather than the, you know, and go up from there, the what and then the how and then the why and the why kind of gets diluted out where, you know, and the, the idea of this book is you, you really want to start with your purpose. You want to start with that and everything should revolve around that. And that's the story you tell. And, you know, companies like Apple and Disney and Ritz-Carlton and Starbucks, they all know their why very, very well. And that's what creates their brand. And so that's what we want to do too as, a, as an office is to really understand that. And that creates a really a great culture for your team members too. If they feel like there's something greater they're doing um, outside of just the world of braces. And I always joke around with my team. You could swap out any business, you know, that if you put all our same team in a toy store instead of braces, we would do great because our why wouldn't change. Just our what. And we would yeah. do really well. And so that's kind of how we, we, we you know, use that. And, and even with the mission statement, taking that a step further with values. I think that's important to have those. And again, a lot of people are, values are really, really important. A lot of people use these values to kind of help them feel like, well, this is what our culture is all about and this is what we want it to be. But for us, what values are is really to help with decision-making. And, and that's what Disney does. I'm going to reference them again in this, in this instance because they do it so well. But Disney has four values that they use. And the four are safety, courtesy, show, and efficiency. And what they they use those values for, and they have them in that specific order, is so that they empower their employees to be able to make decisions um, in the moment, anytime, so they don't have to go to the manager or go to the next higher up to ask, can I do this, can I do this, because they have their values in place to do it. So in an orthodontic setting, you know, safety, courtesy, show efficiency, you could think, you know, all of our patients need to be safe. It makes sense, right? You know, we don't have a safe patient. That's not a happy patient. Um, courtesy is just, you know, in the Disney world, everyone who walks through their doors gets a smile, eye contact, and pleasant tone of voice. Those three things are mandatory and they don't cost you anything. And they're very easy. Everyone deserves courteous behavior. Show is just being show ready. It's kind of a confusing one, but it just means having your area ready, whether it be clean, um, all your materials out, ready to go. Sterile doesn't look like it's getting, you know, dirty when people are walking by. Things are picked up off the floor. The paint looks great. The smells are great. You know, that's what show and efficiency is just being resourceful so you can make the most out of your, um, you know, patient's time and making sure you're not wasteful of materials. So, you know, if you put that into an orthodontic setting, it makes perfect sense too. So, you know, if you got things happening at one time and you know the order of your values, let's say you got some kid playing in the dental drill and, you know, sterile is getting backed up. And so sterile getting backed up to show and efficiency, which is comes lower than, you know, little Billy playing in the dental drill. So that's the thing you need to address first. You know, versus if someone walks through your front door and no one's there to greet them, you know, and you have sterile getting backed up again, someone's going to go get greeted first because courtesy becomes before show. So in the moment, they know which decisions to make based on our values 
and based on the order of the values. And so that's super helpful for empowering your employees to be able to make those decisions in real time and really carry out your vision. Yeah, I think I, I like this tangible stuff because I feel like, you know, you, you, we, we go to a course or we read a book and we get inspired and we kind of say, yeah, you know, I, I love what Grant's saying here about, about culture and about having a mission statement. And then I go back to my team and I kind of sit them all down and I try to communicate it and it just kind of falls flat. You know, it's just, it's, it's that leadership aspect that's really hard. It's hard sometimes to say, yeah. you know, these are the values that we want to embody. And I, I want to get this buy-in, but I, you know, sometimes people just don't know how to <laughs> yeah. do that. What, what, what advice would you have for kind of getting, getting your team members yeah. on board or, or how to hire? Like, how, how do you, how do you approach that? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we have meetings every other week for just, you know, going over, you know, reminding ourselves of exactly what we're, you know, what our purpose is, what our mission is and how we're, we celebrate the wins. But every morning at our morning huddle, we pick a value of the week. And we have four values, but we talk about the day before. Where did you see that value being executed in real time? So, for instance, last week was was show. That's, uh, you know, in 1,130 square feet with 100 patients a day. That's something that's important to us. We got to keep this place looking great with a high turnover of patients. So we're constantly looking at, hey, I saw this person cleaning up the sink right after this happened. Um, the show, we had this person, you know, that was making sure the door to the lab is shut so nobody sees in the dirty lab or whatever when they're walking by, you know, we're, we're making sure, you know, all the paint looks great all the time. So they took care of that and just making sure everything looks good. So next week, you know, you'll talk about efficiency and you'll have that be the theme of the week. It should always be top of mind. And it's tough for them to like learn it once and then go over it once a year at an annual meeting. You got to be talking about this stuff all the time. And even little quick things where you walk around and be like, hey, what's our mission statement? You can, you know, things like that. I'll ask them, anybody at any time. We do these things called recalibration questions where they can draw something out of a hat and we have questions on there like, hey, what is, what are our values and what's the order of them? Um, what's the, you know, the age and we, we typically get a, our lateral staff when we start, you know, things like that just to keep them sharp. And so unless you're constantly retraining and refocusing, it's, it's easy to slip. So I think that's important to with it, your values just to be be top of mind. And I know Ritz Carlton does that at their morning huddles too. They have they have values that they talk about. That's where we got this from. And so every every day, talking about which value are we on this week and and what are ways we've seen it and how did we see it executed. And so it, it encourages more of that same behavior. But for hiring, that's important too. That is the next thing that has helped us a lot. Is I've learned how to hire better, and I've made every mistake in the book with this. Trust me, but. Um, one thing I'm very confident in, at least in our culture, is hiring for attitude and not experience. And I know you hear that a lot, but it's so important. And, and it's, it sometimes isn't the easy way to go because obviously if you hire for experience, someone is a little bit more useful quicker. But when you, when you hire for attitude, that person will come around. And as far as, as far as the skills go and your job as a leader is to figure out what they're really, really great at hone in on that and use it and so so many times you know even in the lecture that cole johnson gave at this, the last mks about just you know learning and giving feedback and understanding you know what these people are great at so you can use them you know it's the dolphin trainer a lot of the times as he says rather than the dolphins that's totally right so many times we blame we got a bad employee when really it is just leadership issues and so my job is really once i find a great hire is I have to, to use everything that every tool I have necessary to figure out how they can be incorporated into our clinic in a positive way. And not everyone has the same skill set. That's where, you know, it things like, you know, a Colby test is what we use a big time. K-O-L-B-E, for those of you who haven't used it, it's so helpful for me to understand how people process information, how they prefer to um, handle information and what their natural tendencies are so that I can put them in a position they love. And, and so that is something we do a lot of, and we do hire a very, you know, we try to find people who have a great customer service background. Um, and even TCs, I think there's a lot of people out there who, who talk about, you know, you know, at the, at the beginning, they'll say, Hey, we need someone who knows how to speak the dental language. And, you know, that's ne not necessarily true at all. I mean, some people say, well, you need someone in sales. And I think that's helpful. But for us, what's been the most helpful is finding someone with a very high emotional IQ. Someone who's very good at reading people and very, very good at, at understanding how to put themselves in the shoes of someone else. And if you can find one of those and put them as your TC, 
they'll do very, very well. Um, especially if you can find a combination of that and um, a giver is what we call them. Adam Grant has a brilliant book, Give and Take. Talks about givers, matchers, and, and takers. And the givers are the ones that always put others' needs before their own, no matter what. They don't even think twice about it. So if you can find someone who has a high emotional IQ and is naturally a giver and put them in as a TC, you have found a gold mine for, for your TC that will do extremely well and, and really move numbers for you guys as a practice. So hiring for attitude is crucial for, for the success of like most companies. Yeah. Yeah. That's certainly a, um, like you say, I've, I've made mistakes in the hiring realm. Um, but, uh, we, we are fortunate to have a TC very similar to kind of the one you described in terms of ability to connect with people, talk with people, uh, generous giving, um, and, and, and she does great in terms of her, her performance. So I can second yeah. that in terms of the personality type that, that, that she, that at least we look for and that I would look for, you know, if and when this this wonderful employee retires, um, <laughs> exactly. You know. So yeah, that's yeah. that's that's key. So so, Grant, I'm curious um, a little bit about some of the marketing that I've seen. You know, you do on 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 Facebook, on your website, yeah. on, on Instagram. Uh, it seems to be very immersive. I guess I could say very professionally presented. You've got nice videos. Uh, you guys have recipes and style guides. How how have you? taken your marketing and really elevated it from kind of the mundane stuff that that we see over and over to something with this really high production value great question so what i you know a lot of the ideas i that come to um to us for marketing are are from outside of the orthodox industry it sounds weird but i'm not the smartest marketer in the world and i'm not you know the smartest guy in the world that know what people are going to like on social media at all but what i what i feel like i do um i do well is to pay attention when I go places. And if I ever go somewhere and I have an experience that is that is amazing or that just makes me feel good or whatever, I try to like figure out how can we take that same concept and bring it into an orthodontic clinic. And so, you know, a lot of the things we're doing on Instagram and Facebook and even just things that we do chair side and internal type marketing and patient experience things are from experience I've had at Disney or Ritz Carlton or um seen something on Facebook, like for instance, I saw this amazing video on Facebook that caused me to stop. I always try to figure out what causes me to stop in this oversaturated newsfeed. And I saw this video that was getting tons of interaction. It was this ice cream video. And of course, ice cream, right? But it was this, it showed this line going out the door and it showed this guy that was creating these like artistic looking ice cream bowls where he would push the ice cream from these flat sheets into little rolls and then put them all together. I don't know if you've seen this video. And I'm like, what is causing people? I'm sure the ice cream doesn't taste any different. So what's causing people to stand like way down the street on this giant line to go get this? And I realized that they loved watching the process. They loved seeing what was going on behind the scenes to create. Because they had these little glass cases to show them, hey, this is super cool. Like I like to watch my ice cream get made into this artistic thing and I'll wait forever to do it and probably pay a lot to do it too. So saw that and I'm like, hey, why can't we do something like that? Obviously not with ice cream, but the next week what I did is I recorded myself um, actually setting up indirect bonds because we do all indirect bonding at our office. And so I did a little video that said, hey, here's what we're doing behind the scenes to get your case ready. You know, we thought you'd be interested. And so everyone who starts braces gets, you know, automatically sent a video um, before they get their braces on. Right when they sign another contract, we take our impressions. And they get a video that's sent to them automatically that says, hey, welcome to our practice. We're super excited. I thought you'd really want to know what we're doing behind the scenes to prepare you for your big day. And so this video is, is popular because they think, oh, cool. This is, I'm, I'm excited. This is what they're doing to set this up. And um, I'm super pumped. So they get more excited. You know, also we'll have some other automated things that go to them as part of kind of getting them excited about coming into us. We'll have some cards, care cards sent out. Handwritten notes are super powerful. Your whole team should be writing them every day. Um, but we do a lot of those too. But there's certain things you can do. And we just learn a lot of that stuff outside of the orthodontic industry and figure out ways to incorporate it inside too. That's a, that's a great example. Tell us, tell me a little bit. I got to hear more about these uh, these style guides, these fashion guides you have. <laughs> where, where, where did that come from? And, and yeah. Tell our listeners a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, we had, again, this kind of came one day where we had a, a gal come in and she was probably like, 19 or 20 years old and just was mortified by the idea of braces and little did she know like i just had 
spoken to two or three adults earlier that day who same concern. I just see this every single day and I see these adults getting braces on and they're super nervous about it at first. And then, you know, several months in, I see them going from, Hey, I want the clear to, Oh, I want to pop a color on, the, on my, you know, my braces. Like, because I got this coming up, I think it'd be fun to have pink with the clear braces, whatever. And they're matching their outfits and so on. So I'm like, I wish there was a way to communicate that to people that showed that there are people actually picking things based on fashion or little things they're going to be doing. Maybe they have a wedding coming up or whatever. So I thought, why can't I make a fashion guide that explains this and shows this? So our team actually came together. We're like, we got to do this. We'll make like a little fashion magazine. And that shows different seasonal looks. We're going to show different occasion, special occasion looks. And we hired a great photographer and we got a bunch of pictures. And so we just made this fashion magazine. We got a teen version and an adult version. And we named all the colors. We named them kind of fun things. We, I had all the girls bring in like lipstick shades. So we named them kind of similar to that, like nine to five or like, you know, different things that embody <laughs> what the feeling is. And there would be color palettes, right? And so these color palettes would, people could page to this magazine. We've got sports sections. We've got, you know, high school, school color sections. We've got section, we have superhero sections. We've got, you know, adult special occasions, weddings. Um, fall, winter, summer, spring. We've got a bunch of sections in this, but it's been popular. So we'll send these magazines out as part of the, you know, part of the whole braces process. And all of a sudden we go from braces being something that they're not looking forward to, to being kind of a fashion statement. And so we just thought we did, you know, we've got, we tried to kind of push that along the way. A lot of it, we have it on our Instagram story. We'll have colors of the day every day. We'll have different things. Kids that are loving those and we'll have different little fashion tips from one of the gals at our office who works that's really into fashion that's been featured in the newspaper a few times so um we try to just push that and really create a better experience for people through that yeah i uh, these these are all great ideas i know that there's some kind of back-end logistics that go into it do you have people on <laughs> staff are you working with like I like do. who does the kind of the layout what what's what's yeah. the nuts and bolts behind making um, you know this wonderful idea yeah. actually come into reality yeah, that's a great question. I'm spoiled beyond belief. Um, you know, I am lucky to have an extremely talented younger sister who works for me once a week, who is a graphic designer. And, um, I'm telling you, she is a, a unique breed. She's very, very efficient and great at following through on projects, but very, very talented. So anything that I can dream up, she can help me do it. And so when you see cool stuff on any of our social media, it's not me, it's her. <laughs> It's, I get, I'm the guy with the crazy ideas and she's the one that actually makes them come to life. So, um, I'll have to give a lot of credit to her and a team that just is on board with, you know, I come to them and be like, Hey, we're going to do this this week. And they're all just on board and ready to go. And so I just have a team of full of great attitudes and some really talented people in place that can help us with execute and do it quickly. So, um, you know, recipe, we have a recipe channel, braces, you know, if you go to, you know, bracesfriendlyeats.com, you can go check it out. Um, we have for you know that idea was again inspired by one of our patients came in and an adult patient and she was um she told me she looked at me she's like i meal prep for the whole week and i knew she was really good at cooking because she had talked about it before and i said oh really tell me more about that and she said well i meal prepped all these braces friendly recipes for the week and i'm super excited i did like you know 10 recipes for the whole first week and a half i said oh that's super cool and it really sparked an interest and i said hey you know is there any way you can we can record you making those recipes and then share them with other people. And so she's like, yeah, sounds good. So I hired a videographer. We bought all the ingredients. We showed up at her house and recorded them, you know, her making 10 recipes over the course of a day. We got them all done and we've been launching one at a time over the last year and we still have a couple more to go, but they've been, you know, super popular with our, we keep a lot of it internal. So for, you know, our patients that are getting braces, obviously we don't push them out a whole lot otherwise, but um, but they've been fun. We've got lots of great recipes to share with people because now when somebody says, Hey, I'm really, you know, nervous about what I can eat during braces, we say, Oh yeah, that's super common. Here's the good news is we've got a lot of cool things that you might love to eat too. In fact, here's our braces friendly recipe channel. Go check it out. There's some smoothies on there. We've got some pastas and soups, things that I know you're going to love. Super easy to make too. And it explains how to make it. So, um, so yeah, we've just part of the patient experience again. And, and it makes it go from a potential negative, right? We mitigated the, I can't eat this. And we've made it positive by saying, well, here's what you can do. And here's how cool it is. So it's a good way to do things. And, and um, like I said, I've struck out as well on a lot of different things too. So don't, not all of them are gold, golden ideas, but that's been a good one. 
I want to circle back, actually, Grant, to this concept of seeing a lot of patients out of a space, that's, <laughs> you know, not big. I think that's yeah. smaller than the average orthodontic office. And I think 100 patients is more than the average orthodontic office sees in a day. So what what tips or tricks or, you know, scheduling techniques do you guys have to, to make that happen and not have it feel yeah. like a total madhouse? Yeah, no, no, absolutely. I think, you know, to be honest, it just kind of crept up on us and it came out of necessity. We just all of a sudden we're like, well, we're seeing a lot of patients every day and we're just making it work. And the number one thing by far is to have a team that is on board with solving solving issues in real time right away, not thinking about it and just say, hey, if we move this person here and do this here, we're going to be able to do this. I mean, even when people come on the wrong day, we have very specific instructions on how to handle that. Um, and how to make it so we, we can see them most of the time. And when we can't, we have very good customer service um, techniques in, in place to make it so that it's still a positive experience for the person that came on the wrong day. But it's, it's very, very important that the team is just, you have a, and every single person on the team says, as Henry Ford says, whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. All of them have to think they can. And when they're all like that, it doesn't matter. I mean, there was a day we had tons of people um, out, we had, you know, one on maternity, one was sick, one had quit, and I had two dental assistants and a lab tech, and we saw 106 patients that day, and it didn't even feel stressful. And it was just, we got to the end of the day, we're like, oh man, it's amazing how teamwork works when you're just all on the same page and you're all just helping and, and making it happen. So I'm, I know this sounds like a cop-out answer, but the, our team is what makes this actually happen. It, they just do every single day. And being very tight and very efficient with our time and with the patients and covering for each other and always being aware of what's going on everywhere is, is the way we do it. it. It's, it is a true concept. I mean, when we have, I probably see 80 or ish, 85 a day, but yeah. when we have like 95 or a hundred patients on the schedule, the team is just clicking and everything's happening and we're adding same yeah. day starts and everyone's getting out on time. And then there's days where we have like 50 or 60 patients and I come out and patients are waiting and my staff is like waiting for me because I've gotten like distracted by something. And it's weird how sometimes on those days I feel like we are not running on time with 60 patients, but we can, we can just kill it and be totally efficient with 95. (laughs) It's amazing how that works, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, It's, you know, efficiency is something that's come out of necessity and it's just become the new norm for us. We don't even flinch at it anymore. It's just, this is, we know that, you know, I tell the girls at the beginning of the day, you know, I said, this is what the schedule looks like, but this is kind of just a suggestion for how the day is going to go. It's not going to look like this as the day rolls on. They have, you know, we have to be good at adapting and some of them are more natural at it than others, but even the ones that maybe change is kind of hard throughout the day, they know that about themselves. Because they, they know that, hey, yeah, I'm not a quick start in the Colby. And, you know, in the Colby test, there's something called a quick start. And some people aren't that way. And they just kind of know and know how to adapt with it and know what to do when things do change. And so, um, yeah, it's it's super important. But, you know, to be honest, one thing that, that has helped us a ton, not just with efficiency, but with just, just having great service in general is, is empowering your employees and really knowing your people. I think, you know, a lot of us orthodontists were kind of control freaks, me included, right? Because you want everything to go certainly certain way. And you're like, well, Susie's not going to do it right. So I just better take it. You know, I better, I better be the one that talks to the parent or I better be the one that does this. And really what that is sometimes is a lack of really empowering your employees and training them to have the tools to do what you need them to do. Because there's no way I can see, be with all 100 patients and solve their problems in real time if I don't help empower my employees. And, and so that's what these, this mission statement is. That's what these values are for. But, um, you know, I, I was inspired by Ritz Carlton. I don't know if you knew this, but Ritz Carlton gives every employee $2,000 per day per guest to make things right if they need it. And they empower their employees to do that. And they don't have to go to upper level management to tap into that fund to make it right. Of course, they're not doing that every day. Right? They're, not, they're not doing that most days. But they're, they're looking for those moments where they can exceed a guest expectation or make something right. And they have the empowerment and they have the backing of their, their management to do so. And so that's something that we really try in an orthodontic world to, to do as well. I want our team to feel like, hey, I can handle this. And here's the tools I have. And here's what I do in these situations. And here my boss backs me. And, um, and that's really where, where a lot of the magic can happen. And, 
you know, Ritz Carlton even talked about a story of this two businessmen coming into a lunch one time at one of the hotels and they both ordered cups of soup. And, you know, one of them got the clam chowder, the other got chicken noodle. And one of them finished, you know, the clam chowder right away. And the guy who got the chicken noodle was like, I don't, I don't like this at all. And, and told the waiter and said, Hey, can I get his, his clam chowder? Can I swap mine out? And, you know, the waiter, this is like a $5 cup of soup. And the waiter said, well, I need to talk to my supervisor to go, you know, you know make sure this is okay. And by the time you go get the supervisor, Ritz Carlson says, you better add a zero on the end of whatever the value of that was to make up for, to make up for it. So you just took a $5 cup of soup. Now you're making it somebody else's issue. And now you better make up for it in $50 value to make this person happy. So really, then the supervisor comes. And by that point, you're like, well, now I got to comp the whole meal to make this person happy. Well, then when you're going to comp the meal, the supervisor's like, well, I got to go talk to my manager to make sure it's okay to comp this meal. And by the time the manager gets there, your lunch hour is over for this businessman. And now you're turned it in from a $5 cup of soup to a $50 comp meal to a $500 night, you know, weekend stay at the Ritz. And it all could have just been taken care of right away if you've empowered your employee to make it right immediately and not have to go to the orthodontist or to your team leader and whatever. And they just know in the moment, oh, this person wanted clear races and we put set it up in metal. We're just going to make it right right now. And we're not going to go talk to the financial coordinator. We're just going to do it. And that's really a place that I feel like a lot of us, especially us, especially at our office, we can work on a lot more. And, um, you know, the... Uh, Actually, this last week, our TC did something brilliant. I loved it. We had a, a mom who came in. She was, it was at the very end of the day. She was super stressed because she wanted her daughter to get impressions to get braces on next week. And, um, but she didn't have any time. She had to go pick up somebody from football practice and then come back and get her daughter and take her to volleyball. And just, she was just really stressed. And we said, Hey, t- tell you what, you go run your errands and we're, we'll take impressions real quick. You've already consented. We've gone through everything and we'll have it ready to go when you come back and pick her up. Well, our TC actually not only did that, but bought dinner for the entire family and said, when mom came back, said, Hey, I know you're super busy tonight. It sounds like you guys don't even have time for dinner. So I went up next door and I bought sandwiches for everybody. Here's some soup. Here's some drinks. And hopefully there's variety for whoever wants this. We can't wait to see you soon. And um, this is our treat and sent her on her way. There's your wow moment. There's your step off task as long as it's on purpose, right? And I could handle that two ways. I could have been like, what are you using those our funds for? That's horrible. Like you have to check with me first. But instead I'm like, that is exactly what we want, right? And so she probably went to volleyball practice for a daughter and was just raving about what the orthodontist just did for them, that team, and just said, you won't believe what they just did. And that's, that's easy marketing. And it all starts with empowering your employees to do that. And celebrating that when they do, uh, we're, we're, there's so much material we can get through here, Grant. I feel yeah, like man, this, this hour is going quickly. <laughs> let, me, let me let me hit one other topic here. Absolutely, um, you know, yeah. You, you've mentioned briefly some of these things that happen automatically. Uh, an email or a, or a video gets sent out. I notice on your website there's some capture forms or some uh, email addresses that uh, that go into an Infusionsoft database. Uh, I'm curious, maybe very briefly, uh, tell our listeners how you use that. And then if, if they're interested, how, how does that get set up? Like how, what would be the first yeah. step to, to implementing something like that? Yeah. So we do, we basically kind of my idea is that if you ever find yourself doing something more than once, you could probably find a way to automate it. And, um, you know, I know y'all have been in probably you've signed up for something at Target or just something at a store and you get these emails and they're annoying emails most of the time, but that's really a similar concept, but we use it to a different, for different purposes. And we use Infusionsoft to automate some of the processes um, that we do. And um, it, for instance, training. And so really, we've kind of built like these, um, you know, 14 steps of training modules that we have people go through when they get, um, when, they, when they're hired at our office. And they go through these and it gets automatically sent when they sign up through our Infusionsoft because we've written the emails ahead of time. They get, they have the training documents and it's kind of an evolving thing. We're always constantly updating it, but, um, it gets sent. So it just automatically gets done, um, without me being part of it. And, and that's because, you know, it's, we found that it just helps my stress level down if we can automate certain things. Or, you know, for instance, we, we oftentimes, um, certain touch points throughout treatment, like let's say a new patient gets, signs up 
to come into our office, we'll have an email that automatically gets sent out to one of my employees that says, hey, send a packet to this person, uh, a new patient packet, and here's the address, and here's everything goes. And then another person gets an email that says, hey, send this person a care card. And it kind of spells out exactly, you know, um, how old they are and what their interests are sometimes. And so it just kind of is just one of those things that allows us to directly communicate with our patients and my staff to do things that we find ourselves repeating. And so, you know, in the new patient experience, the new patient packet gets sent out and then they get an email that says, welcome to the practice. They get an introductory email. And then when they sign up for braces, like I said, they get emails that show me setting up their case. They get an email that says, you know, welcome to the team. Here's, you know, here's a, a packet that introduces you to our team members. Braces go on. They get a series of emails throughout treatment, including the braces friendly recipe guide, the um, fashion guides, lots of different things. But it just allows us to be consistent because, you know, that's another part of customer service that's super important is making sure you do have consistent customer service. And that means people have an expectation when they come to your office. And so everybody has an experience that's, that, that is similar. It's not just one or two we pick every occasion. So it's, it's helped us right. a lot. It's very confusing to set up. I'm not going to who, who, Who's setting it up for you? Like, how, how do you, how do you get so started with this? We, we originally went through Dentma and, um, you know, the idea came from, you know, Dentma and Dustin Burleson, love him or hate him. There's a lot of guys out there, but he, he's a very, very smart guy and he, um, has used Infusionsoft probably better than any orthodontist I've ever seen. And, and, um, I know a lot of you probably have gotten into his, some of his email sequences, but, He's a, he's a brilliant guy when it comes to Infusionsoft, understands it way more than I do. And yeah, with- former guest on the podcast. He's yeah, definitely he, a smart he, guy. He's a smart guy. And so he, he's, uh, he's a guy that I feel like knows it far more than I do and, and, and really inspired us to really create a relationship with Dentma is the, is the company's name that we've used to help build it. Um, Dentma no longer actually, it's, it's so complicated and they didn't get a whole lot of, <laughs> a whole lot of, um, business from that side of things. So they've actually changed their business model to, um, this Ava. I don't know. They were at the MKS meeting, but they, they've changed it. So it's a lot of the TC automation. And so they, they'll really send text out to patients who don't sign up for treatment for you and create a dialogue between the TC and the, and the patient for it. And they found a lot of success with that. I just was one of the early adopters way back when they were doing the other version back before they stopped, <laughs> they stopped helping people out with that. So. Nowadays, we, right. we kind of, we just hire out like random um, people who are more well adversed with, well versed with, um, Infusionsoft than I am. And we'll just find people on, on looking to do some, some work on the side that understand it. And okay. so, but Dent, Dent was great to use for a lot of different things. I would, I would look into them as well. All right, Grant. Well, we're going to go into our, our lightning round here. These uh, Elevate Express eight questions. We're going to ask you eight uh, quick questions and get some quick answers. Does that sound okay? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, great. What in your practice is your go-to treatment for full-step class twos? Uh, we use the Mara a lot. Mara, okay, so Amara great. Appliance. Yeah, we, we'll use some just braces and rubber bands too, depending on how far, but we will. Mara works well in my hands for some reason. Awesome. What's your standard retention protocol? We do a lot of bonded lower three to threes and upper and lower Essex. Sweet. Grant, who are your role models or your mentors? Oh man. I mean, within my, you know, my family, I'd say my grandfather, my dad, they were both physicians and just the way they treated patients. And I try to emulate them in the, you know, in the orthodontic world, there's so many. One of the, my big brother from Mayo Clinic, Jim Stork continues to be such a source of encouragement and positivity in my life. Um, if you've never met Jim before, you, you need to. He's, he's such an uplifting guy and, and will encourage you to be and do the right thing. And so um, he's been a great role model for me too. Great. What's your favorite orthodontic product or instrument? Something you wouldn't want to practice without? Oh, man. I have to think about this one. Um, product or you know, indirect bonding is, I know that's, that's more of a, a system. No, that's product, good. But I, it just makes my day so much smoother. It's just in a, accurate for me because I get to just set them up, set the cases up ahead of time and it makes the patient experience better. But I couldn't imagine practicing without indirect bonding. Awesome. What's the best vacation you've ever taken? Oh man. Um, you know, I would say I lived in Australia. I don't know if I call it a vacation because I studied there, but I would kind of consider it a vacation. I was in Australia for six weeks 
and really had a chance to explore the entire country and went to some of the, the amazing cities there and, and spent a lot of time in Sydney and, and absolutely loved it. Can't wait to go back someday. Awesome. What's one great book that you've read recently? You know, I'm in the middle of Give and Take right now by Adam Grant. Kind of referenced it earlier. Love it, though. It's a great book. Highly recommend. Sweet. What bracket system are you currently using? Yeah, we use the Orthos bracket from Ormco 018. Um, and they've been, they work great. Love it so far. Cool. And what's one area of orthodontics that you would like to learn more about in 2018? You know, I think think along with with where clear aligners are going, I think just being more comfortable with with handling a variety of cases with those and and trying to uh, to just really feel comfortable in general with treatment. We're flying through material here, Grant. You've delivered just yeah. tons of great stuff for our listeners. Um, I'm wondering if there's any other thoughts or anything you'd like to share with our audience before we sign off. You know, no, I think I, I just such an honor to be on here because there's so many just brilliant people that you've brought on. And, and like I said, this is it's just an honor to, to share my story a little bit. And, and um, I look forward to learning more from other people. I guess the, the last thing I would say is, you know, I didn't touch on it at all, but I've been inspired by so many orthodontists across the country with their generosity. Um, and, and I think it's really important for us to, to be generous with the communities and the patients we are. And don't be partway. Somebody asked me that, like, why would you ever give away free braces or give away something? Um, it's because it's just like when you're, when you're going to do it, be all in and the love will be returned to you. I promise it just always does, but you got to be all the way in, whether it be with your staff or your, your patients or your team members or, or whoever, your family, um, just if you're 100% in with your generosity and, and expect nothing in return, it's so ironic and, and amazing how you get so much love poured back to you that way. And so I know lots of guys are doing that out there and I hope more can. Well, thank you again so much, Grant. It's It's been a real uh, pleasure talking with you and, and hope to talk again soon. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Lance, for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Elevate Orthodontics podcast. For more episodes, subscribe on iTunes or visit our website at elevateorthopodcast.com. Tune in next week for another great episode.